0: Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody! Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is January the twelfth, two thousand and eighteen. Hard to believe as that might be, but here we are, uh, going full blast into the new year. Um, great to join you. Thank you for uh, being here, and um, I hope that this program is helpful to you. You know, those of you who are familiar with, with me, know that I'm a man on a mission. Uh, ever since the terror attacks of nine eleven. Uh, Gosh, hard to believe so many years ago, back in 2001, Uh, there's nearly an entire generation of Americans who've been born since then. Um, It's in the history books for them, but could never be more real for those of us who lived through it, particularly uh, if you were there live in a person, whether it was New York, Pennsylvania, um, Washington, D.C. at the Pentagon. America was attacked, more casualties than we suffered at Pearl Harbor. Another firefighter, by the way, this past week, just passed away because of uh, the illnesses that he wound up with because of his exposure to the toxins at Ground Zero. A couple of weeks ago, a um, former New York City police captain passed away, Captain Greenwood. So the, the death count hasn't been completed we keep hearing about 3,000, but so many more people, uh, sickened, suffering, have died, are dying. Um, and so my program is all about where do we go from here? How, in fact, do we make certain that we suffer no more 9-11s? How do we protect our nation and our citizens from criminals and narcotics and gangs and violence? Um, Where where do we go? And that's what this program is about, because first and foremost, as the 9-11 Commission pointed out, and you know I provided testimony to the Commission, first and foremost, the 9-11 Commission determined that it was multiple failures of the immigration system that have enabled the terrorists, and not just the 9-11 hijackers. They looked at a total of 94 terrorists in the decade leading up to 9-11. So about three quarters of them, 59 out of 94 either used visa fraud and or immigration fraud, lying about political asylum, lying about being married, so forth, to enter the United States and embed themselves. And we've had more attacks since 9-11. Some, thankfully, that did not result in deaths. For example, Faisal Shahzad, who set off the Times Square bomb. We've had other terrorists. We had the bomber at Port Authority just a couple of weeks ago. Thankfully, the only person who he injured was himself. But the point of the matter is that we keep seeing the same pattern time and again, where foreign nationals enter the United States so that they can launch terrorist attacks against America and kill Americans. And yet you would never know it if you listen to the politicians who want to legalize everybody, even though we have no way of vetting these people, no way of knowing who they are when they got here. And this includes DACA, by the way. And I'm not saying that there are terrorists among the DACA applicants, but we've got to have firmly established rules, procedures, and priorities. And for decades, our priorities as a nation have not been to look out for our own fellow citizens of every race, every religion, or every ethnicity, but to figure out what's in the best interests of foreign nationals who come to America, even when they come here in violation of our laws. This is sheer Madness, and that's what this program is about: trying to speak sense to the madness, speak truth to the powers that be. Uh, and I call upon my 30 years of expertise, having been an INS agent for 30 years, having arrested, inve- having in- arrested, having investigated terrorists, which is why I've done so many congressional hearings, why I've been before state legislative hearings around the country, why the 9/11 Commission wanted me to submit testimony. The view from from the front lines as it were and and so I'm, I'm glad you're here with me and i would like for you to please let as many people as you possibly can know about my program about the radio show my website michaelcutler.net i write for frontpagemag.com front page magazine i've been working with californians for population stabilization for some time now capsweb.org um Also, I write for the social contract. Uh, Lately, I've been working with Newsmax, uh, periodically writing pieces for them, going on their programs. I was just over at Fox News two weeks ago talking about DACA uh, with Heather Childers on Fox uh, and Friends First at the ungodly hour of 4.30 in the morning. Uh, And I'm willing to do it at any hour if I can get my voice heard, not because I need to see my ugly mug on television. It gets old very quickly. But because... I am desperate to get the truth out there. And, you know, when I used to uh, interview or interrogate criminals, people that we had targeted for investigation, people who might have been material witnesses, I always began my interview by reminding them that there's only one version of the truth, one version of the truth. Uh, I wish that the journalists would understand that. That's not about opinions. It's about facts. You know, we've heard the nonsense. The immigrants, quote unquote, commit fewer crimes than American citizens born in America. And, of course, then they blur the distinction and include illegal aliens when they talk about immigrants. Everything has been uh, Orwellian. And this is not about political correctness, folks. There's nothing politically correct about lying. There's nothing politically correct about spewing propaganda. I consider myself to be politically correct because my understanding of political correctness is not to use language that's insulting or humiliating. The N-word, that sort of thing. That's off limits. So that's the idea to political correctness. But when language is used in such a way to obfuscate the truth, to confound reason, to create false illusions, then we're not talking about political correctness. And when you say it's political correctness, you're missing the point. And the people you're speaking to are missing the point. It gives credibility to the lies. There is nothing politically correct about using deceptive language. So let's be clear. This is straight out of the pages of George Orwell. I wrote an article for The Social Contract about this madness. And I called it The Road, the road to Tyranny is Paved with Language Censorship. When you can't use the word alien because you're told it's offensive when in point of fact it's a legal term, and the definition of alien is any person, not a citizen or national of the United States, I defy anybody to tell me how in the world that's insulting. To say to somebody who's not a citizen, you're not a citizen. You know, This is no different from telling somebody that you're not a relative of, hey, Charlie, you're a nice guy and you're my best friend, but you're not related to me. That's not an insult. That's a statement of reality. That's a statement of fact. So when you have people saying, don't you dare use the word alien, And then, of course, we get to the term dreamers. The DREAM Act. Well, hold on to your seats. Fasten your seatbelt. Because the A in DREAM Act, the A in DREAMer, we hear all about the DREAMers and people forgot it's an acronym. But that A in DREAMers is alien. So how in the world is the word alien so reprehensible and yet it's part of the DREAM Act. It's part of the notion of dreamers, the American dream for illegal aliens, when Americans apparently need no longer reply. How is this a left-right issue? The right-wing lunatics. i got to tell you, all, all honesty, full disclosure, I don't give you guys any BS. You're going to get the straight truth. The way I think is what you're going to hear. And if I offend people, I'm happy, because if they're offended, I don't need them as friends. I don't need them on my side. This is about being reasonable, being truthful, being honest, having integrity. Would that our politicians possess those qualities. I'm registered as a Democrat. Takes your breath away, doesn't it? The problem is I can't think of the last time I voted for a Democrat. I'm a labor guy. My dad was a construction worker. He'll always be my biggest hero. For my father and his friends in the construction trades, my dad was a plumber. Didn't do repair work. He did construction. He built Worked on Kennedy Airport. He worked on the World's Fair when I was a kid. It was great going with him to work and watch the World's Fair being erected. Watching an aircraft hangar at Kennedy Airport being built. Uh, I did a little flying as a kid. My dream was to be an aerospace engineer. To me, airports are magical places. Not so much today with the madness that goes on when you try to get on an airplane out of concerns for national security. So we jump through all these hoops and find ourselves being treated like cargo. I think cargo gets better treatment. We've got to keep the terrorists off the airplane. They're right. I don't want a window seat on a cruise missile, but, but God forbid we should be as concerned with keeping terrorists out of the United States, keep terrorists out from behind the wheels of trucks, right? Keep terrorists from getting those knives or guns or explosives. No, we'll just keep them off the airplanes. The, the blinders that we've put on, because it's all a magic act, it's all kabuki theater, the globalists are running the show. But for me, the construction workers that I grew up with are are straightforward, hardworking, honest, gutsy guys. They exemplify what it is to be an American man. And, yes, I know there are women who do construction. Don't don't get all bent out of shape. But when I was a kid, there were no female construction workers. And there aren't that many today either, but there were zero back then. And I grew up with those guys. They were a tough bunch. Construction is more dangerous than law enforcement. These guys were men's men. And if I had a problem and my dad showed up all by himself, my father was the cavalry. He was level-headed, knew what he was doing. um, And boy, oh boy, I miss him terribly. And we hear about the work Americans won't do. And to this day, you've got American construction workers out there, whether it's the dead of winter or the the hottest day of the summer, taking all kinds of risks, doing dirty, back-breaking, filthy, dangerous work. And we have these politicians, some of whom wouldn't know what honest days work if it jumped up and bit them on the nose or some other body part. Talk about the work Americans won't do. And so for decades, America has prioritized the dreams of aliens who have no inherent right to be in the United States. And that's not a statement of xenophobia. And when people make the allegations, please don't back down. This year, make it your resolution to grow a spine show some chutzpah, show some moral leadership, stand there and have that conversation. Don't you dare turn around and walk away when people insult you that way. That's not what Americans do. We've turned Americans into a bunch of wussies. Oh, don't stand up for yourself. You'll only get in trouble. If you don't stand up for yourself, folks, you're leading yourself and our nation down the path of destruction. I'm not talking about physical confrontation. We'll leave that to the goons and the thugs, um, (laughs) these nutheads that are out there on the college campuses demanding safe spaces for what? So they can jump up and down and spew their lies and nobody will oppose them? That's why they're doing it. The intimidation factor is so that we only get one version of the story. Because they know damn well on the other side, the globalists, the anarchists know That logic, the law, reason, morality, all are against everything they stand for. Everything they stand for. So how do you win? You shut up the other side. It's kind of like um, going to the marketplace and making sure that the competition that wants to sell the same product that you sell never get to the marketplace so people are forced to buy your inferior product. That's what they're doing. Because their ideologies are way inferior. Their ideologies can't be supported by fact or reason or morality. So the alternative is, or the option for them is simple. They can't win a debate, so they turn off the debate. College campuses used to be about debate. Had I not become an immigration agent, I had planned to teach speech on the college level. I've been debating since I was 14 years old. And if you can't sustain your position in a debate, then maybe you need to reconsider your position. But what is now happening on campuses and in the news, we're going to shut down debate. There's only one version of the story, and pretty soon people forget what the truth is. How many people know that the word alien appears in the term dreamer or dream act? Many people don't remember that. And so I wrote an article for Front Page Magazine about it, one of the places that I write. And by the way, when you go to these articles that I write or if you listen to my show, please – Post information about this on Facebook, whatever media you use. I'm not a media guy. I'm a techno dinosaur. I admit it, but I need your help. I call it my bucket brigade of truth. We need to look back at how we got to DACA and how it has become legitimized over time by the politicians from both parties. They're having a debate about what to do with kids who shouldn't have been here in the first place. We're having a debate about what to do to help these kids who were given an authority permission they never should have been given. Now, I feel bad for the the kids who really came here when they were very young and had no say in what was happening. They were literally along for the ride. But DACA and the DREAM Act was never about the kids. I know that's going to sound shocking to you. And please read my article because I lay it all out so you can sit there and really contemplate what the truth is. You can really contemplate the truth, and then you can give it to your neighbors. Because I have friends who consider themselves politically conservative, but I don't know what being politically conservative has to do with this issue. Whether you're a liberal or a conservative, I don't think you want to be killed by a terrorist or a gang member or want your children attacked in school. Whether you're a liberal or a conservative, you don't want to lose your job to another worker. Whether you're a liberal or a conservative, you don't want to be in a city that has its infrastructure overwhelmed, whether it's hospitals, whether it's schools, whether it's highways, whether it's the water supply. The nuttiness is that the fake pollsters and the fake journalists and the fake politicians have everybody convinced that immigration is the argument for the right. You have to be right of Attila the Hun to really want to secure the borders. Really? I mean, stop and think. Who wants to be in the middle of a terror attack only the people on the right are concerned about that this is foolishness everything we've been told and everything we've been hearing has been foolish it has been created it's a falsehood it's a lie it's fabricated it's propaganda it's newspeak right out of george orwell the point of the matter is our immigration laws are designed to protect america and americans from aliens with dangerous communicable diseases aliens who are severely mentally ill Aliens who are criminals, and spies, and terrorists, and human rights violators, and war criminals, and fugitives from justice. And then we get to aliens who would likely become a public charge. in America, I remind you, has a $20 trillion debt. And aliens who, if they work, because they're here temporarily, supposedly, would be displacing American workers. That's what the laws are about. There is one iota of truth that this is about Latinos or people of color, or based on race, or based on religion, or based on ethnicity. Because i got to tell you, if that was the case, I could not have enforced those laws for 30 seconds, let alone for the 30 years that my career spanned. These are all the lies. Um, Look at the racism in the immigration debate. Not us, them. Not the pro-enforcement folks, but the anarchists. They're the ones talking about Latino voters. Well, the Latino voters want open borders. No, they don't. Latino voters are no different from any other voter. And to separate Americans by race, religion, or ethnicity is racism, bigotry, profiling, and disgusting and un-American. Every rational American, and I don't care if your name is Rodriguez or Gonzalez or Goldstein or Smith or Jackson, Every rational American wants three things from our government. The military to keep America's enemies at bay, as far from our shores as possible. We want law enforcement to keep the streets safe, keep the drugs and the gangs off the streets, get the guns away from the criminals and the wackies. We want the schools to educate our children. And we want to know as Americans that any American, irrespective of what I call the superficial factors, race, religion ethnicity or gender any american willing to study hard and work hard with a little bit of luck thrown in for good measure can write the next success story period that's not left or right that's what it is to be an american the american way you knew we were in trouble when they did a superman movie and they took out you know truth justice in the american way whoops the american way went out the window because we don't know we've lost our way haven't we We've literally lost our way. So the accusations fly, and it's about the Latino voters. And we've gotten to the point that America is being divided up into little packets so that the pollsters, with their BS nonsense, can go out there with their magic markers and talk about surveys and polls and what this group thinks and what that group thinks. I've got to tell you, if you want to break America down by demographics— it does make sense if you want to do it by age, okay? When you get to be my age, I'm retired as an agent, although I will never hang up um, and stop working completely. But but my days of, of looking forward to my professional dreams, they're in my rearview mirror. My dreams and my goals and my concerns are different from the kid that's getting out of college. So there's a difference in the way we see the universe. There's a difference between people who have, Advanced degrees and people that drop out of high school, in terms of what their concerns are at the workplace and what jobs they aspire to, there's a difference if you live in the city or if you live on a farm. Those are reasonable differences. But when we splice slice America up, black versus Latino versus Christian versus Jew, versus, it, this is racism. This is bigotry. This is like trying to create gangs. Oh, it's us against them folks, it's toxic. It's got to end. And we need to end it. We need to call these people out when they talk about this foolishness. This isn't what America is supposed to be about. It never was. And when you look at the civil rights movement, illegal aliens aren't entitled to civil rights. The civil rights movement was passed to address one thing and one thing only, the wrongs done to American citizens who were black because they were black, Period segregation, slavery, all those issues. That's why they wrote the law. It was broadened to include other people so that people wouldn't be discriminated against. That's fine. I want everyone treated fairly and equally. That's fine. But when we talk about making illegal aliens full participants in our society when their very presence within our borders represents a violation of law, is insane. This is utterly, totally madness. Because they're not supposed to be here. And by by saying, well, we're a nation of immigrants, and Donald Trump doesn't understand the word nation of immigrants. He needs to read Emma Lazarus. I just heard this from, from the governor of New York State today, Cuomo. This wasn't about illegal immigration. Okay, it never was. If it doesn't matter how you come here, then we need to get rid of the Border Patrol. If it doesn't matter how you come here, then we need to stop having the inspections done at ports of entry at international airports, seaports, and land border crossings, because it doesn't matter. When aliens run the border, they're not undocumented. The only thing undocumented is they don't have any pieces of paper that proves who the hell they are. That's worrying in an era of transnational criminals and international terrorists. But please don't tell me that these folks entered undocumented. That's Orwellian. This isn't political correctness. They entered without inspection. They entered without legal permission. And when people say, well, just an administrative violation of law, no, it's not. Because if you run the border and you were previously deported, you're looking at two years in jail. And by the way, if you have a serious criminal history and you were deported and you come back, you could be looking at 20 years in jail. And, in fact, I worked with Senator D'Amato back in the 80s to create that law, and the reentry law is the most frequently prosecuted federal crime in the entire United States of America today. But what do we hear on the TV? Oh, it's only an administrative violation It's like jaywalking. Running our border is not like running the stop sign. It's a threat to national security. The 9-11 Commission made it clear that border security is national security, not the equivalent of jaywalking or blowing a stop sign yet that's what the anarchists would have you believe so let's look at daca let's look at what this really was supposed to be about back 10 15 years ago chuck schumer john mccain lindsey graham got together the eight gangsters as i call the gang of eight they wanted to pass comprehensive immigration reform there was nothing comprehensive about it except not unlike George W. Bush's leave-no-child-behind nonsense, this was leave-no-illegal-alien behind. Leave-no-illegal-alien, let's legalize everybody. And we've seen this before, and the Republicans foisted this on us, which is why both parties are in bed on this issue. They're Republicans, okay? This isn't Democrats versus Republicans. This is tag team wrestling that we used to watch as kids. They, they smear ketchup on each other, and as a kid I thought it was blood. Of course, on the black and white TVs I watched when I was nine years old, it really could have been blood. You know, it was, it was hard to tell what it was. It's a fake fight. Most of the fighting you're watching is theater. These people should get an Academy Award for bad acting. This has been about opening up the country to an unlimited supply of foreign workers, foreign students, and foreign tourists. And they don't care what the cost is, even when it results in the loss of 3,000-plus people on 9-11. When it results in more deaths in more places, it's okay. I guess, you know, the funeral industry needs more customers. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce has been applying tremendous pressure on Congress, as have religious organizations, as have the American Immigration Lawyers Association. See, immigration lawyers don't see illegal aliens when they see people running the border. Do you know what they see, folks? Clients. They don't see law violators. They see clients. And comprehensive reform would have required the government to pay the legal fees for the illegal aliens. And people say to me, Mike, they're pandering to the illegals. And they say, dummy, you don't pander to the powerless. Illegal aliens by themselves are utterly powerless. Why would you pander to them? It doesn't make sense. The reason that comprehensive immigration reform would have paid the legal fees is because the lawyers did not want to get stiffed. And I can tell you there are members of Congress in both parties who either belong to or probably get campaign funding from the American Immigration Lawyers Association. They have a vested interest in getting the lawyers paid for by the taxpayers because then there's a reliable paycheck waiting for them and their friends. Let's clear up the lies and the nonsense and the BS that unfortunately too many people can't seem to see through. You know, we always hear about the elderly couple They get an email. It's cute. They can finally learn to do email. They're 98 years old. And they get an email that says, congratulations, you've won a five million dollar lottery. All you got to do is mail in a check to five thousand dollars for five thousand dollars to this address. And they take their life savings and they mail out the check and no one ever reaches out to them again. And they say, what happened? How could this have happened? Well, there were two questions that needed to be asked. And see, this is why I go back to the idea of the art of the question. Trump had the art of the deal. For me, it's the art of the question. And I always joke about it. It's said that Jews answer a question with another question. So maybe I'm genetically predisposed to ask questions. But when someone says to me, you've won a lottery, and I know I didn't buy a lottery ticket, how could I win the lottery? So that's question one that no one seems to have the brains to ask. Then the question is, why should I mail you $5,000? You're sending me a check for $5 million? Take it out of my check. Take it out of my check and then mail me what's left. Obviously, it's a scam. How many people fall for that scam? Congratulations, you've won the lottery. And so the American people are gullible. Now, one of the tricks that has been very successful for con artists and scammers, and it's disgusting, it's despicable, but it's profitable are the people that put little collection boxes up in the stores. We've all seen them give money for this and give money for that. Or people go out there and they solicit money and they knock on doors. I'm collecting money and blah, blah, blah. Okay. So what are they collecting money for? A firefighter is killed and they put up a little collection jar. Please contribute to the family that just lost their hero father and people give them money. And many of these organizations, they keep 85 to 90 percent of the money for themselves for administrative costs. It almost sounds like the Clinton Foundation, doesn't it? But people give money. Why? Because they're compassionate. We have to help these people. And in some cases, none of the money goes to the victim; they keep it. There was a woman who who just uh, did that a child had cancer, and she was putting up collection uh, cans or whatever the hell she was putting up. This poor child has cancer, and she just took the money for herself, and there was thousands and thousands of dollars, because we have a soft spot in America, especially when we hear about children in trouble. The rest of the world, not so much. In parts of the world, you see families selling their daughters into um, the factory owners and their indentured servitude. They sell them to brothels. Believe it or not, this goes on all over the world, but not in America. We're better than that, and we should be proud of ourselves. But the scam artists, including our government, has seen in America's compassion and kindness a weakness to be exploited. So as soon as we hear children, everybody gets teary-eyed, and we clutch our chest, and we say, oh, God, we have to help the kids. So when they tried to pass comprehensive immigration reform and Congress voted it down, Obama went there and said, oh, Congress failed to act. Oh, that bad Congress. They didn't want to do their job. Wait a minute. Congress voting no is not a failure to act. Congress voting no is Congress carrying out its responsibilities as established in the Constitution. It's called checks and balance. They didn't like the legislation. They said no. When you're a parent, if you have a child and your child didn't do his homework or her homework or her book report, and then the kid comes to you and says, I'm going to Billy's house, he's having a party, and you say, no, you're not. You have to study. You have to do that book report. You're saying no. Are you failing to act as a parent? Of course not. You're being a responsible parent. Congress acted and acted responsibly by voting down comprehensive immigration reform. In fact, I wrote an article about it back in 2007 for The Washington Times. I had been before three House hearings and one Senate hearing on the issue. And in my piece for The, for the Washington Times, it was called Immigration Bill and No-Go, Because I was comparing the hearings with the countdown for the launch of the space shuttle, and I said, you know, they have the countdown for the scientists, engineers, and technicians to decide whether or not to go forward with the launch. Congress has the hearings to decide if they should go forward with legislation. And I said, think what happens when Congress, or when rather when Cape Canaveral, when the technicians and engineers said don't launch Challenger that cold January morning. They went ahead and launched anyway. The O-rings were too cold. They weren't resilient. The gases escaped the O-rings and acted as a torch and blew up the fuel tank. And 72, 73 seconds after liftoff, seven astronauts were obliterated along with Space Shuttle Challenger. And I said, so today, we're not looking at the lives of seven valiant and irreplaceable astronauts. We're looking at the lives of 300 million Americans. And if we're going to be honest about comprehensive immigration reform, Let's for once give it an honest and truly descriptive name. And I decided we should call it the Terrorist Assistance and Facilitation Act. Senator Jeff Sessions, and I'm looking at it right now on the wall of my bedroom, sent me a certificate because on three separate days he quoted from my article with attribution, Senator Sessions then, Attorney General Sessions today, is a class act. He is a gentleman. Uh, I'm so proud that he saw fit to quote me with attribution and said, you know, you must listen to Mr. Cutler, and they voted down the legislation. And in fact, when I was with the Horowitz Freedom Center back in 2014 um, for a uh, a weekend in West Palm Beach, it was an incredible weekend. They do amazing work over there. Um, I was thrilled to find out that I was going to be on a panel discussion on immigration with none other than Senator Jeff Sessions, Congressman Louie Gohmert, and another congressman by the name of John Fleming. And uh, Senator Sessions introduced me to his wife. I was surprised she knew who I was before he introduced me. Uh, I was very honored. And he was very clear, if you go to the Horowitz Freedom Center or go to my website, michaelcutler.net, you can still watch that panel discussion. And Jeff Sessions addressed the issue of what it means to not act. And voting no is not a failure to act. So when Obama stood in the Rose Garden, and said Congress failed to act, and not only failed to act on comprehensive immigration reform, but on the DREAM Act, he said he was going to act. So let's look at the DREAM Act. If this was really about the children, because that's what they've told us, we've got to take care of the kids. They were dragged here against their wishes. They had no control. If you're five years old and your mother puts you in the car and takes you somewhere, you're not responsible because you're a child and she's the adult. And these poor kids were dragged to America by their parents. And here they are. And why should we punish them? Because they didn't do it. Very compelling argument. Very compelling argument. They had said, the Congress, if you're 21 years or younger, if you have your report card and your transcript from your high school, come to an immigration office, we'll work with you. That would have been one thing. If that's what was basically in the law, that would have been one thing. The DREAM Act... Was supposed to cover aliens as old as 35 years of age, not 16 or 15, 35. Now, please stop and please think. Please think. Put on your thinking cap. Why in the world should Congress say, if you came here as a child, but you're no older than 35 today, we will let you stay permanently and put you on the pathway to citizenship? What kind of craziness is this? How in the world do you prove when you came here, if you're 35 and quote, unquote, you're undocumented? What have you got to prove as to how you came here? And the answer is you can't prove it. And many illegal aliens use multiple false names. I can't tell you how many times as an agent, when I arrested an illegal alien, and we'd go through their pockets and their wallets and whatever, they would have... 10, 15 different social security cards in different names. And you'd say, what's this? And the guy would say to me, I found it in the street. All of them, all of them. You found 12 social security cards on one day or over time. Oh, no, no. I've been collecting them. It took me six months to collect the 12 cards. Boys and girls out there in TV land, radio land. What was the last time you found a social security card lying in the street? the 12th of never. So here's the guy, and almost everyone had similar stories. The Social Security cards are falling out of the sky, and all you got to do is pluck them off the ground and use them. So we have no way of knowing who these people are. By the way, according to the 9-11 Commission, in the aggregate, the terrorists used more than 360 false names or variations of false names to conceal their activities in the United States. Think about that. So, we have these people, and they're going to come into an immigration office and they're going to say, I entered the United States 16 years ago, and here I am. And how do we prove it? Well, by the way, there was going to be no interviews. By the way, there were going to be no field investigations to speak of. You know, maybe they would interview one out of a thousand. Because right now, today, with the workload at Citizenship and Immigration Services, the division of DHS, Department of Homeland Security, Right now, DHS handles more than six million applications every year, six million applications every year for citizenship, for green cards, for political asylum, to change the student, to do all these things. There would have been no way to interview these people, no way to verify the information. And here's something else that you may not know, but I can tell you because I was an adjudications officer for one year. And I also know how they operate because so many of my friends were adjudications officers and so forth. So I really understand immigration in the way that nobody else does. I was an inspector. I was an adjudicator. I was in every single squad within the investigations branch. I was the first INS agent um, to be assigned as the representative to the Unified Intelligence Division of the Drug Enforcement Administration. I was there for nearly four years, and then I was promoted to senior special agent and assigned to the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force in New York. So I had desks at DEA, the FBI, ATF, I worked with foreign governments, I worked with city police, I worked with state police. So I can tell you that most of what you're hearing are lies, nonsense, fabrications, newspeak. So it takes just minutes to approve an application. It takes days or sometimes a week or more to deny an application. If you approve an application, no one's going to complain. The fastest way to get rid of a file is to hit it with the approval stamp. Boom, you're approved. Next. No one's going to protest. No one's going to challenge you. No one's going to file an appeal. When you say no, oh, wait a minute. You better have legal sufficiency. So now you got to get somebody to go out there and possibly do an investigation. There are no agents available. Now what do we do? You can't let the file sit there for eight months because then you get congressional inquiries. My constituent is wondering why he hasn't gotten his green card yet. Your constituent, he's an illegal alien, Charlie. But you see, the pressure is on. And so when people say, we're going to clear up the backlog at immigration, and everyone starts clapping, yay, get rid of that black, we're going to get rid of the red tape. And I got to tell you, the conservatives are big on this. You are, be honest. Oh, those inefficient bureaucrats, put the whip to them, hit them with the cattle prod, make them get rid of the paper. Well, if they do that, then the best way to do it fast is approve it, approve it, approve it, approve it, approve it. And we go back to the problem that the terrorists and criminals lie on those applications to get lawful status to hide themselves in plain sight. That's called the embedding process, according to the 9-11 Commission. So the DREAMers were given permission under deferred action to stay here and work. Almost none of them were interviewed. Almost none of them had any field investigation. So we don't know when they really came here. They could have been as old as 31 back in 2012 when Obama foisted this scam on America. Today, some of those people are in their mid-30s. And we're still being told on the news, oh, we have to take care of the children. We have to protect the children. We hear Nancy Pelosi, we've got to take care of the children. And some of these people are in their 30s. Now, I'm on the wrong side of 60. Um 30-something sounds awfully young, but there's no country on this planet that considers a 33-year-old person to be a child. Now, there are actual kids involved, too, and I feel bad for them. But also understand that some of those kids are gang members. You've seen many MS-13. They always bring out the guy that's graduating valedictorian, and, and he scored 101 on the exam where 100 was the perfect score. They gave him an extra point. I don't know why, but he had to be in the stratosphere, and they, and they pull this guy out, and he's truly a genius, and, and they say, we don't want to deport this guy. Well, you're right, we don't, but we're talking about millions of people, including some of them who are gang members, some of them who um, have been involved with some terrible situations, and we don't know who we're dealing with because, again, no interviews, no way of documenting who they are. It's as dangerous as it gets, and yet we're told we're helping the children. Why didn't the DREAM Act say if you're under the age of 21? And here's the reason. Because when comprehensive reform failed to pass, Schumer and company said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the population up to age 35 because demographers, from what I was told, Expect that by cutting it off at 35, you would cover 90% of the illegal aliens in the United States. There are very few illegal aliens in America who are 70 years old. There are some, but when you look at the millions and millions and millions, and it's not 11 million, it's probably 30 or 40 million by now. It's a handful that are over the age of 35. And by the way, if you're 38 and undocumented, and you say you're 35, who's going to be able to figure out your lying? That's part of how the fraud works. Put down whatever you want. Just make sure you claim you came before the cutoff date. Make sure you claim that you were under the age of 16. And make sure you claim that you're no older than 35 and you're in. And with no investigations and no interviews, the odds are quite good you'll pass through. We had that with the agricultural worker. It was a guy by the name of Mahmoud Lima who claimed to have worked on a farm because of Schumer's agricultural provision to the Reagan amnesty. See, this is... Both parties, right? Bipartisan. It was Reagan who gave us the amnesty and Schumer who gave us the agricultural provisions, even though Schumer had no farms in his district back when he was in Congress back then. So a guy by the name of Mahmoud Abu claimed that he worked on a farm picking beans in Florida. The closest this guy ever came to a farm was when he drove his taxi cab past Central Park here in New York City. And by the way, he had his driver's license suspended numerous times, he was involved with all kinds of garbage. And eventually, Mahmoud Abuelima participated in the bombing of the World Trade Center in 1993. And that bombing killed six innocent people, injured more than 1,000 people, and inflicted more than a half billion dollars in damages and almost brought the tower down sideways. I don't even want to imagine what the casualty count would have been had that happened. But he said he was a farmer. Wasn't a farmer, but no one could figure it out. Look at the... uh, the of brothers, their family, claimed political asylum. We can never go back to Russia. And as soon as we gave them asylum, they voluntarily hopped on airplanes and went back to Russia. You think they might have lied? Time and again we see the lies. So that's what this has all been. It's been a lie by the Congress, by, by the Congress, by the politicians. It's about the children. We have to protect the children. If you don't want to protect children, you're mean and evil. Meanwhile, Many of these people might not be children. Many of these people may have criminal histories that we're not aware of. Many of these people might be members of MS-13. We are clueless. We are flying blind in a storm. And if you dare say, wait a moment, slow this down so we know what we're dealing with, you're accused of xenophobia and racism, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so now we're facing DACA. The president seems to be wavering. I hope not. I will be hugely, tremendously, irrevocably upset with him. But now look at the problem. Let's say he wants to approve DACA for these 800000 Now there's talk, well, there were others who never signed up. Really? Well, maybe they just got here last Thursday, and that's why they didn't sign up in 2012. So now you might be looking at millions more. And if they don't change uh, uh, chain migration before, that everyone who gets legalized when they become citizens can bring their mothers and fathers, which isn't a big deal. I think that rational people would say that's fine, but they can also bring every one of their brothers and sisters and half brothers and half sisters. And if they're married, their spouses, and if they have their children, all of their minor children go with them. I have picked up immigration files as an agent. And that's something that very few people who sit on front of those TV cameras can talk about authoritatively, but I can. And you look at the file and this guy may have petitioned for 30 people, 35 people. One guy became a citizen, Boom, 35 follow. So this all needs to be cleared up. Not afterwards, not on good faith, not they will promise us, but they better clear all of this up and they need to go after the fraud and start putting people in jail. Now, Here's something else, because we need to understand how important immigration enforcement is from within the interior. Again, we're back to we're building the wall, we're building the wall, we're building the wall. If the wall gets built, do you think illegal aliens are going to stop wanting to come to the United States? Of course not. Do you know why lots of narcotics flows across the Mexican border and why it became so dangerous? Because when I went to Border Patrol Academy in Brownsville, Texas— Right across the bridge from Matamoros, Texas. In fact, I went to Matamoros many years ago. My uncle passed away. He lived in Corpus Christi. I walked across the bridge from Brownsville to Matamoros, Texas with my two oldest boys. This was back in the '90s, about 20 years ago. And it was relatively safe to be there. Relatively safe. I've been to Tijuana. relatively safe. Because most of the narcotics, most of the cocaine was flowing into the United States, not across the Mexican border, but into Florida. So those of you who remember that TV show, Miami Vice with John Johnson, great show, fancy cars, good looking gals, lots of action on the water, Miami Vice, you know, great music. I love that music. Well, the drugs were being smuggled into the United States in speedboats from Columbia. And during the the um, Reagan administration. They created the Vice President's Task Force on South Florida to attack the problem. So we started interdicting the boats. The Coast Guard was out there. The Navy provided assets. And they went out there to stop those boats coming up from Colombia. Now, do you think that the Colombian cartels were about to say, well, I guess we're out of business? No, not at all. What they then said, and we were arresting the cartel leaders in Colombia, so they made a decision that they would have the drugs flow into the United States through Mexico, and that Mexican drug cartels became their franchises. Now, what did that do? That gave them some insulation, so it made it less likely that U.S. law enforcement would be able to get their hands on the Colombians because the Mexicans would take the heat, and the Mexicans weren't going to rat out the Colombians because there would be a bloodbath. So suddenly the drugs weren't flowing into Florida. The drugs were flowing across the Mexican border. So now we're going to hopefully clamp down on the Mexican border. The drugs are going to come in. They're still coming in through international airports. They're coming in through seaport. They're coming across the Canadian border. So now aliens from Latin America are going to stow away on more ships. Maybe they'll try to get visas to come to the United States. Maybe they'll go to Canada hope that the Canadians will be more hospitable and then sneak into the United States along the Canadian border. We certainly need to secure the Mexican border. I'm not wringing my hands and saying, oh, we shouldn't bother because, you know, the argument, right? If you build a 10-foot wall, they'll get an 11-foot ladder. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you deal with all of the means by which... Illegal aliens enter the United States, all of the means by which terrorists might enter the United States, all of the means by which narcotics are smuggled into the United States. In point of fact, a number of years ago, I wrote an article for Front Page magazine that I called it Border Security, the immigration colander, because you had members of Congress who were saying, well, we need to gain operational control over 90 percent of the U.S.-Mexican border's high traffic areas. What in the world does that mean? What's 90%? How do you know what percent? What's a high traffic area? And what happens when the smuggler goes 15 miles down the road because they know that where they had been doing their thing became a high traffic area, so there's a concentration of assets and resources there. Again, it was about creating the illusion that they were doing something while making sure that everything continued business as usual. But I made the point back then that you don't just plug the one hole that the border represents. You need to go after the visa overstays. You need to go after visa fraud. You need to look at all of those elements and plug all of the holes. And when people say, well, it's just too big a job, we just can't do it, it's only in immigration law enforcement that you hear people saying, oh, there are too many illegals to deport. So, we may as well legalize them. There are more Americans with driver's licenses and cell phones than there are illegal aliens in the United States. Have you ever heard any chief of police say, huh, we have too many people with cell phones and driver's licenses to do anything about texting while driving? Of course not. So, what do they do? They have public service announcements and they make it clear. If you're behind the wheel of your car and you reach for that cell phone, SWAT will pull you out of your car through the sunroof at gunpoint. Those are the commercials. Same thing with drunk driving. Nobody ever throws their hands up and says, what can you do? There's too many of them. No, they find strategies that go back to a fundamental principle of law enforcement. It's called deterrence through enforcement. If you're stupid enough to drive drunk, We're going to take your car if we catch you. We're going to take your wallet. We're going to take your freedom. Okay? And you certainly will never again have a license. Don't drink and drive. We're going to establish sobriety checkpoints, and we're serious. And you know what? It worked. The number of people who drive drunk has dropped tremendously. They've never said, let's raise the acceptable blood alcohol level because there's just too many drunk drivers on the road. They would never say that, but they do say it where immigration is concerned. You know, I compare the politicians to the magician in the circus who wants to saw the lady in half. We've all seen the act. Now let's face it: if the magician really cuts that poor woman in half, two things are going to happen. First of all, that magician's going to jail. It's very simple. Uh, second thing. If he ever gets out of jail, he'll never again be able to hire another assistant. Who the hell's going to work for him? He's not going to hurt that lady, trust me. He just needs to make a convincing illusion, to create the convincing illusion that he cut her in half and that everyone says, wow, how did he do it, right? Well, the politicians do the same thing. They know what their constituents want, and the great majority of American people want our borders secured. The great majority of American people do not want to lose their jobs or their lives to people who shouldn't be in the country. That's common sense. It's not left-right issue. Again, more lies. Every American, every American who's rational, believe me, that's what they want. Okay? I don't think Democrats or Republicans looked at 9-11 differently. Oh, well, too bad it happened. No, no, no. If you're an American and you're able to fog a mirror, you don't want a terrorist to carry out another attack in our country. So it's, it's the big lie. Now, the politicians know full well that the people who pull the voting levers in those booths, what they want. There's only one problem. Actually act to really secure the border and stop the flood of cheap labor, foreign tourists, and foreign students. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce and all of their friends and all the other special interest groups will stop bribing them. I mean, giving them campaign contributions. Did I say bribe? Wow, what a Freudian slip that was. So the money will dry up because they're not doing what their employer wants. And who's their employer? The guy writing the check. That's who the boss is. Whoever pays you a check is a boss. I was not allowed to accept a cup of coffee when I was on duty as an agent for fear that, God forbid, a cup of coffee is going to influence how I do my job. But that's fine. You know, I had a boss who said it's not enough to not engage in wrongdoing. You must never even give the illusion of doing wrong. But imagine a poor cop who's standing out there and it's five degrees and he's directing traffic or she's directing traffic. And a shopkeeper goes up to the cop and gives that police officer a styrofoam cup filled with hot cocoa or hot coffee and says, here, officer, I hope this helps you. And if the cop forgets to reach into the pocket and give the person 50 cents or whatever the damn cup of hot cocoa is worth, Internal Affairs might well start an investigation to see, is this the first time that he took a cup of cocoa? But no one looks twice at the politicians. And how many of these politicians come to Washington flat broke and leave millionaires? Do you think they're clipping coupons and saving their congressional checks? I was born on a Wednesday, folks, not last Wednesday. So here's the bottom line. Before we even talk about DACA, And I'm disturbed by the whole process. And by the way, if we do it now again, like the Reagan amnesty, people will say, well, it happened once, it'll happen again. And how many kids are dying in the desert because it's such a rough place to be? Uh, And that's, again, why we need the border wall. But the the point of the matter is that chain migration has to end. There's no reason. And by the way, as I talked about a week ago— You're not separating families by not giving green cards to the siblings of people who become citizens. Give them tourist visas and let them go home. There's nothing that says you have to have a green card and live here forever because your brother became a citizen. Maybe you haven't even seen him in 10 years. Come visit him. When I was an inspector at the airport, we frequently, during Christmas, during New Year, during Easter, during Passover, during Hanukkah, we had lots of people come to America to visit with family who were here. And they go home. They don't give up their jobs. They don't educate their kids here. They come and visit for two weeks, for a month, for six weeks, whatever, and they go home. What in the world is wrong with that? Again, you're not told that that's a possibility. If we don't give them green cards, they're never going to see their brother again. Baloney! Allow them to have a tourist visa and come and visit and go home. But the point is that then the Chamber of Commerce will be angry because they won't be able to drive down the wages of American workers. Because when you flood America with third world workers, Third-world workers bring with them third-world expectations of wages and working conditions. That's what this is about. It's about the willful, planned, engineered destruction of the middle class. Never mind that the money that leaves the country is devastating our economy, the money wired home. We look at the El Salvadorans, temporary protected status. Do you know that El Salvador is counting on the remittances? that something like 17% of the gross national product of El Salvador is the result of money wired home by their workers. There were two uh, earthquakes in El Salvador back in uh, 2001. That's 17 years ago. And so the president said, we have to end this now. And he's being criticized. How dare he do this? And meanwhile, some of the people that we gave temporary uh, protected status to are construction workers. After an earthquake, what do you think El Salvador needed more than anything else? After the rescue workers did the best they could to save lives and find the remains, they needed to rebuild. Isn't that what construction workers do? But yet we have people who were given temporary protected status who were building houses in Brooklyn, when they should have been in El Salvador building houses in their hometowns. This is how crazy it is. This is how maddening it is. And you're not going to hear these stories on the evening news, because the mainstream media is in on this push for globalism, elimination of sovereignty of nations. And I don't always agree with Donald Trump, and I don't always agree with his choice of words. Uh, They used to call me the wordsmith back uh, when I was an agent because nuance of language is vital, in my world anyway. But darn it, he's the first populist president we've had in decades. And look at the results. The stock market is soaring. Unemployment is dropping. Wages are increasing. Why are people angry? Because they've been drinking the Kool-Aid not with one straw but with two straws. And that's why we come back to what I said at the beginning of the hour. When you listen to nonsense being spewed by your neighbors, please stand your ground. Please stand your ground. Don't back down. Don't be intimidated. Stand there and tell the person you're getting it wrong. And where immigration is concerned, I I sincerely hope, folks, that my program provides you with the cogent, coherent, fact-based, and irrefutable arguments to defeat the madness being spewed the folks who are either too lazy or too foolish to do their homework and use a bit of rational thinking and ask some very important questions you see immigration is a wonderful thing i'm the son of an immigrant i'm first generation american but the difference between an immigrant and an illegal alien is comparable to the difference between a house guest and a burglar and if a country is supposed to take care of any people on the face of the planet it ought to be the people who are the citizens of those very same countries charity begins at home that's all we're talking about not about race not about religion simply about looking out for the welfare of america and americans and the people getting the shortest end of the stick today are members of america's minority communities american blacks and american latinos are being shafted worse than everybody else but that's not to say that we're getting a free pass if you're not a member of that community this is impacting all of us, and it's time that we stood up to the politicians and made it clear to them that we are not as stupid as they hope that we are, and we're not. So I thank you for listening to my program. I hope you will be joining me again next week right here at the same time on the Michael Cutler Hour. Please go to Front Page Mag, check out my article, and please be a part of my bucket brigade of truth and let everybody know about my program. Thank you so much, everybody. Have a wonderful weekend. Good night.